Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. Yeah, we're all gonna die. I mean, yeah, we're all gonna die, Ellie. That's that's true. Soon, Joe. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> that was just poor form on your part. We were clearly in a riffing stage trying to invoke an all-time classic Simpsons line, and you didn't quite roll with it. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I missed it. Sorry. Oh, really? Yeah, no, at Camp Krusty. I think I'm gonna die. We all die, Lise. I meant soon. So did I. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. So uh, you seem unhappy, which is weird because there are big law raises going on everywhere. Every, is there something that's happened recently that like is somehow traumatic? Yeah, um, I think like um, all people who like other people, um, I took the news of Kennedy's retirement pretty hard. As you can tell, I'm wearing a shirt with soy sauce stains on it. I mean, the listeners can't tell that, so but I you, can. You, I can take. Joe. Ju- I can take judicial notice that there are stains on his shirt. I do not have information or belief to confirm that they are soy-based. Um, so that's, I'm answering this like an interrogatory. Yeah, they're, they're, they're sad Chinese food-based. Stands on the shirt that I was wearing yesterday, too. I just, yeah, the pointlessness of trying is real, is, is hard to get over. I know I'm supposed to be grinding my gears right now, but like the... You are. The difficulty of grinding those gears is that uh, what's the, I don't see the point. I don't see the point. Yeah, no, that's... I see the point of moving to Canada... I see the point of moving to Johannesburg. I don't see what more what more we can do here. Yeah, did you see the uh, Canada? There, uh, the our government's war on Canada is going to step up now that they are legalizing marijuana. The border patrol is going to start saying that any Canadian who has ever smoked marijuana is banned for life from entering the United States, which seems like a completely no great loss. Yeah, that we can't have Canadians down here. Come on now. I mean, no First great loss all, for Canada. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's fair. I mean, I was saying, look, the level of our hockey would go down so far. And we got to think of the real victims here. You think Tavares stays with the Islanders? I haven't really been paying attention to the market. You know why? Because we're all going to die, Joe. Yeah, well, that's true. So with that, that's not all that pleasant. But what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about, because it's breaking news, we're going to talk about Justice Kennedy's retirement and what it means and what's next. And we're going to have... David Latt from Above the Law also on to help us walk through that. He has a lot of insight into kind of the Federalist Society mind. So he's going to be able to offer perspective from the Federalist Society mindset, which is good because the administration has abdicated all of their actual responsibility for picking judges to the Federalist Society. So he's the one in the know. So exactly. That puts it in the know. Uh, But you know what we have to do first and really most importantly? Drink? No. Well, we can do that second. But first, what we need to do is thank our sponsor, which oh. is Major Lindsay in Africa, as usual. Are you wondering what's ahead on the road to success? Whether you're looking to advance your legal career or grow your legal team, Major Lindsay in Africa can help you navigate the legal landscape. More than 35 years of experience in legal recruiting, Major Lindsay helps law firms and law departments thrive in today's ever-changing market and matches lawyers and legal professionals with opportunities where they can flourish. Learn more at www mlaglobal.com. All right. Well, let's, let's start, I guess, by David talking about, so 
thoughts what? on oh yeah here we go yeah <laughs> why shouldn't i jump off a building <laughs> A couple of reasons, I think, why Justice Kennedy's retirement from the Supreme Court is not the end of the world. One uh, reason, which I actually forgot to mention in a story I just did for Above the Law on this, is let's not forget, Justice Kennedy was actually a pretty conservative justice to begin with. He had a couple of high-profile defections in areas like LGBT rights, for example, but he's the justice who wrote Citizens United. So let's not think that he was somehow some great savior for progressives. He was, I would say, 80% of the time pretty much in the tank for conservatives. So this is not a huge shift. It's an incremental shift. Yeah, I, I, I used to say years ago, I was, on a, I was on a TV show and they asked me about, oh, swing justice, Anthony Kennedy. And I was like, Anthony Kennedy's a right winger who has a couple of gay friends. <laughs> and that's, that's really where I put him. You may steal that line, Joe. I, I agree, but, but it's, it's undeniable that Kennedy also had a, a mollifying influence on some of the most, I would say, evil impulses of the hard right on the court. So that even when Kennedy would side with the conservatives, as he did most of the time, the fact that they needed to bring Kennedy along, I think, caused some of those decisions to be more narrow, more tailored, less expansive than what they would have to do if he's not there. I guess I have two thoughts on that. One is, you know, perhaps sadly, I don't know how much Kennedy had that effect in the sense that in some ways, conservatives loathed him more than anyone. Remember Scalia's line from uh, the Obergefell uh, opinions about how if he had written some line that Kennedy had written, he would hide his face in a paper bag. And this was like judicial decision making by Chinese fortune cookie. In some ways, Kennedy almost brought out a lot of really bad instincts from conservatives. But the second thing I would say, and again, reasonable minds can disagree with this. And uh, Catherine, uh, our colleague, just wrote a post on this. But I think in some ways, John Roberts is now going to have to, and will, I think, grow into the role of swing justice. Now, look, he's quite conservative, even more conservative than Kennedy. But remember, he's an institutionalist. He doesn't want to do anything that is going to bring protesters to the Supreme Court every day. He likes being able to go out to nice restaurants in Georgetown and not have people throw wine in his face. He's not going to do anything too crazy. I mean, look, I have my own issues with Roberts. And I think to your point about going out to nice restaurants in Georgetown, yeah. And he can do that as long as those restaurants don't have any black people in them. <laughs> But if they do have black people in them, we already know what Roberts means for racial justice in this country. But before we kind of go too far afield there, I want to come back to Kennedy because reading, uh, and if you haven't read it, you should read Lat's post about why we shouldn't freak out about Kennedy retiring. I'm freaking out. Don't you think that he is most famous on the left for his stands for gay rights? Don't you think that it is dangerous at this moment to tell gay rights activists to not put their foot on the gas because somehow Roberts is going to save them. I think that probably both sides should be wary of trying to use the courts right now to advance agendas because we don't know what the new equilibrium is going to be. So I would say that about gay rights activists. I would also say that about religious activists who want to help out the baker from Masterpiece Cake Shop. I think everyone should sort of lay down their arms for a bit and let's figure out what the heck is going on. That may well be true, but I don't have a lot of faith that that's how this is going to be received. I think that one inside baseball observation that came from SCOTUS blog, their coverage yesterday that I thought was really interesting. And it really does speak to the, we all kind of are court observers and stuff, but the people who actually have to file these things every day have a slightly different perspective. They made the point that almost more so than being a vote, what Kennedy 
accomplished was one of the things he actually did was he may have been a right winger, but he was unpredictable enough in certain places that some people didn't bring the harsh challenges they wanted to because they were like, my God, what happens if we bring this and he's a swing on it? That will be largely mitigated now. I think that the right wing activist folks will for going forward say, I don't have to worry about this. I can go ahead with my 48 hour abortion ban. Um. <laughs> and this is how and, and I'm glad you brought that up, Joe, because because from my perspective, this is how abortion dies. OK, you say lad in your piece that Roberts isn't likely to overturn Roe v. Wade. Of course not. He won't have to, because the way that abortion dies in this country is that in two years from now, without Kennedy and without states having any fear of an Anthony Kennedy, what we're going to see is the increasing outlawing of abortion at the state level, knowing that they cannot be challenged in the Supreme Court. So maybe it won't be an outright ban, but you will have these bans. Already, Iowa has the ban, no abortion after six weeks. You don't even know if you're pregnant after six weeks, but no abortion after six weeks. I would imagine at least half the states have some kind of plan in place like that in two years, and there's going to be no cover from the Supreme Court to strike these bans down. So I think the point that I would raise here, which I make in my piece, is you have to remember that the Supreme Court, even though likes to say it's all about law, not politics, and it's above the fray, it is a political institution. The justices are political actors. They are, especially Justice Kennedy, but also Roberts, they are very cognizant of public opinion and not getting too far ahead of things. Now, could they try to support or affirm some really harsh limitations on abortion? Sure. But at a certain point, they're going to overplay their hand. And at a certain point, there's going to be a backlash. Let's not forget, women are a majority of the population in this country. At a certain point, women are going to say, uh, we actually value the right to choose and we're going to do something about it. So at the end of the day, look, I know that's probably not much comfort to women who will find themselves perhaps in this sort of interim stage. Remember, many states will protect abortion. The vast majority of the population, blue states, the people who voted for Hillary Clinton by more than, you know, by about three million, those states are going to be fine. But let's say you are a woman in Iowa. Yes, there could be some interim period. But at the end of the day, this really should work itself out through the political process and people should take a stand and progressives should use this as a rallying point. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see the risk of that. The problem with the majority of this country being women is the argument that three million people voted argument is we don't have a system that reflects that particularly well. We have a system where senators are oftentimes probably again, we're probably again going to see a situation where the majority of the Senate is voted on by the minority of the population, just by the way that California has just as many as Montana. We have a president who lost an election straight up. A tweet that I put up yesterday is that four of the nine Supreme Court justices by this fall will have been put on the court by someone who entered office and that's an important distinction that I make in that tweet, entered office having not won the popular vote. Bush, Roberts, and Alito were nominated in his second term, but the odds of him winning in that election having not been the power of incumbency are probably slim. So we will have four, almost half the court, be put there by people who don't win popular elections. And at the end of the day, I think some people, maybe Roberts is an institutionalist. I don't know. It gets on the border. He certainly talks a good game. I don't know if he actually will follow through. But Alito, Thomas, these people don't care that they're, you know, representing the minority view in this country. They are, they are pretty aggressive about what they want regardless. It will be interesting to see what Justice Gorsuch does. Uh, remember DeMaia uh, in this recent term, he 
could occasionally side with the liberals. I'm not really counting on that necessarily. Some of you remember from last term his opinion in uh, Pavan v. Smith, which was essentially, to kind of summarize it, almost like questioning Obergefell. But I think that one thing we've seen over the court's history is it's pretty unpredictable. Kennedy, Souter, Stevens was a Republican nominee. Look, I think the Republicans have gotten better about vetting. I said so on Twitter yesterday, but they're not perfect. And they could have a couple of missteps here, too. Here's the disconnect that I'm not getting from what you're saying, David. On the one hand, you're saying, don't freak out. There's a process here, whatever. On the other hand, you're saying, and we shouldn't be too worried because if they go too far, people will freak out. So I guess my question is, why shouldn't I freak out right now, today, now is a time to freak out? Why do I have to wait <laughs> to freak out? To yeah. freak out. No, well, I think that if your freak out helps galvanize people on your side of the aisle and raise funds and increase voter turnout, then I think the freak out is probably what's needed. I just think that I don't know. I think that there has to be some kind of balance between just for your own mental health, like between freaking (laughs) out and, you know, being complacent. I don't think progressives should be complacent. In fact, I think the opposite. But at the same time, I think that we have a system of checks and balances here. And there's only so much the Supreme Court can do, even with a majority of conservative justices. You know, the death of a thousand cuts. And I think in the Catherine Rubino piece that we were just referencing, she mentions this. The death of a thousand cuts is definitely there for issues like gay rights and abortion, where small restrictions are going to happen that are going to make things worse. And the new kind of, I call it the Excella corridor elite kind of circles. My people. Yeah, (laughs) right. And and not particularly mine. They are embracing this like progressive federalism bullshit where they think that, oh, you know, so long as white women in New York can get abortions, everything's fine. But like at the end of the day, people are going to be suffering under these situations. And it's going to be even bigger than this federalism thing. I think Mark Joseph Stern in Slate wrote a piece where he pointed out, if this goes very much further, we're not far from the federal government trying to enter the field of abortion regulation. I mean, they can do things. They can pass regulations through the FDA, make FDA-style rules like, oh, no, this procedure, that procedure. Well, they already did have that law, the Federal Partial Birth Abortion Act, which was the one that was construed in Carhartt. Although, again, this is probably more inside baseball nerd stuff as opposed to sort of something that would comfort people who are very concerned about abortion. But there was an interesting... uh, digression from the conservatives, I think, maybe it was Scalia and Thomas, who said, I'm siding with the majority here because it applies our uh, jurisprudence on abortion, but I'm not sure whether this actually flies under the Commerce Clause, which was kind of interesting, actually. I was like, huh. Looking ahead, who's the next guy? So I think that... it's going to be, we agree it's going to be a guy, <laughs> I don't right? think. I don't think we agree on that, actually. Actually, but, oh, really? Interesting. I mean, I it probably will. My money is on that, but I... I would place a show bet on a woman. Oh, interesting. I mean, I would place an outside bet if you gave me, I think I compared this to a craps table and, you know, I'd bet on Amy Coney Barrett if you yeah. gave me two to one odds, like betting on the four and 10 on a craps table. But I think that my money is on a conservative former Kennedy clerk whose last name begins with K. <laughs> uh, I'm not referring to Good Judge one. Alex Kaczynski or former Judge Alex Kaczynski, but rather Judge Brett Kavanaugh of the DC Circuit and Judge Ray Kethledge of the Sixth Circuit. I think that both of them are in very good positions right now. Yeah, I think that's right. And and then with uh, Amy Coney Barrett being an increasingly discussed outlier, although I think your article makes a good argument for why Republicans probably should hold her in reserve. He believes that there's a fair argument that 
Justice Ginsburg could be a vacancy that could come up under a Republican. And the idea of replacing her with a white man would look pretty bad. But replacing her with a woman would smooth that over in a very Thurgood Marshall, Clarence Thomas sort of way. Yeah. So hold how well that worked out. (laughs) Exactly. But hold Barrett in reserve for that purpose. On the other hand, I've also seen people saying that insiders at the White House are saying that Trump is very interested in someone who is well, actually, interesting is someone under 40, which sounds absurd to me, <laughs> but at least someone in their mid-40s yeah. would therefore be more attractive right. to him. It's because of that. It's because of the age that my dark horse candidate is very unlikely and very dark. But if you gave, talking about odds, if you gave me the 101 odds here, mm-hmm. I would put all of my money on Jeff Sessions. Here's why. <laughs> Here's why. Oh, clears up the DOJ. (laughs) It clears up the DOJ. The thing that we know most about Trump is that the thing that he is most scared of is the Mueller investigation. Mm -hmm. He cannot get rid of Jeff Sessions. He can't fire him. The Republicans won't let him. Sessions won't accept it. But if you promote him, if you promote him, Sessions has to take that promotion to the Supreme Court. Republicans have to confirm him to the Supreme Court because he checks all the boxes. He's white. He's a bigot. He hates women. Yeah. He hates drugs. He checks all their boxes. They have to confirm him if they do. And that gets him out of the way from the DOJ and allows Trump to put an end to the Mueller investigation. It's a little bit three-dimensional chess yeah. when we're talking about an idiot. And, it's one-dimensional chess. And, it's and, and, and it's the, above checkers. And but. I doubt that the Federal Society or the Heritage Foundation will allow him to put a 70-year-old on the court when he could put Doogie Howser on the court, right? So I, I doubt they'll let him do this. But if he were to if he were to to really look into his own personal interests and go rogue, 101 Jeff Sessions. <laughs> yeah. Do you think there's any chance? Uh not really. <laughs> it's a fun thought experiment. Like when people say, what if we put Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton on the Supreme Court? But with Sessions also remember, he could have problems from the Democrats. I mean people aren't happy that he apparently or arguably might have lied to them about his contacts with Russia. Not a good look. So I don't know. So one thing that was interesting is looking at the people on shortlist, the Kavanaugh, Kethledge, Barrett, Tapar. Uh, with the exception of Kavanaugh, we would actually have a possibility to break one of the hardest blockades in our current Supreme Court. And one of the things that puts the biggest blinders on it, which is people who only went to Harvard and Yale. Because Kavanaugh went to Yale, but the rest of these folks went to different law schools. Yeah, that is, um, that's true. Is interesting. A lot of them did. That's right. I mean, uh, Michigan for Kethledge, yep. Notre Dame for Barrett, and uh, Tapar went to um, Berkeley. Yes. I also like it when the rapist uses a condom. That's super great. <laughs> that's is there any... Probably not where you want to take that. Is there, <laughs> is there any way to stop this? Is there any way to stop this from happening? McConnell said that he's going to have this guy ready to go by October 1, by the time the new term starts. So, is there any way to stop it? So I tried to play out a crazy hypothetical in my post. The filibuster is gone. The blue slips are gone. What if the Democrats try to pull a Texas 11 and basically flee D.C. to deny a quorum? The problem is, first, the Senate quorum is 51 votes and Republicans have the 51 votes. And second, to the extent that John McCain, because of his uh, health issues, is unable to travel, I think if it came down to it, he would resign. A Republican governor, Doug Ducey of Arizona, would appoint a successor. That person would become part of the 51. For the people who are asking me about this on Twitter, no, apparently the vice president cannot count as part of the quorum, even though he can break ties. Yeah. But basically, the answer to that is no, no, and no. No filibusters, no blue slips, no quorum games. I think the best strategy is, I guess, what I've seen bandied about in a lot of 
progressive circles about trying to lean on wavering Republican senators. But even with Gorsuch, you got three Democrats to go along. So I don't know. Yeah, those Democrats are going to go along this time. And I I don't think Jeff Flake is going to evolve a spine in the next. You know, what's interesting about that is so Jeff Flake, before this announcement happened, put himself in an interesting position because he publicly announced he was blockading all judicial nominations until the president gets rid of tariffs. So that's the thing he already put himself on the record on. Now, obviously, he was not expecting the Supreme Court right. enchilada to show up. And he doesn't have a spine. Right. But, well, I mean, but he might care enough about tariffs to make that his issue. That could delay it. The question is then, does Trump back down on tariffs or does Trump just allow the Supreme Court to have eight people out of spite? Probably spite. That's or does potential. Flake just came? Look, my way for stopping this, there is no legal way to stop this. If you're going to try to mount a challenge, it's going to be illegal. It's going to be civil disobedience. Probably emphasis on disobedience and not emphasis on civil. You're going to have to protest in the streets. You're going to have to block hearings. You're going to have to get arrested. You're going to have to stand up to the military. You're going to have to do a lot of things that people, and the only thing I can say to that is that that you're going to have to do a lot of things that people have done in the past when they are minorities and trying to overcome majoritarian rule. You know, I don't want to hear Chuck Schumer talking about a quorum, quorum fleeing, if that's all he's got, right? If if Chuck Schumer wants to leave this charge, talk to me about the Chuck Schumer hunger strike that's coming on the Senate floor, all right? That I'd be up for, that I'd like to see. But if he's not going to have that, and he's Chuck Schumer, he ain't got that, then a lot of this progressive angst about how to stop... It's just, it's just angst. It's just, it's useless. You might as, you know, go, as, as the great Billy Joe once said, go on and cry in your coffee, but don't come bitching to me because you ain't got it if you're not willing to go there. Yeah, I mean, I, that was very much what former guest Rick Hasen kind of was saying in his piece, too, that uh, protest is all that's left. The freak out level that David says is did the Did he ultimate. do it with Billy Joel, though? <laughs> I, he did not. He did not. Well, um, that's key. I mean, yeah, fair. That's, yeah. So with that, thanks, David, for joining us. We got to get you out of here because you got other things to do. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You should read above the law at all times. You should be giving this podcast reviews and subscribing to it. You should be following us on Twitter. You should do all of those things. So with that, we'll talk to you soon. Bye, all. Peace out. Thanks. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.